evidence and answers. History shows us that nations rise and nations eventually fall. Is the U.S. a nation in decline? Historians have outlined stages of a civilization's decline, and Paul, in Romans 1, also presents the stages of a nation's decline. What historians and the Apostle Paul point out are very disturbing when we look at the direction of our nation. Historians often attribute the collapse of a nation to economic, political, or social factors, but ultimately, the problem is spiritual. Is there hope for renewal in our nation? You're listening to Evidence and Answers with your host, Pat Zucran. Pat is an author and teacher in the area of Christian apologetics, the defense of the Christian faith. Join Pat as he presents part two of his message entitled, Decline of a Nation. Learn the stages of a nation's decline, but also the hope for renewal. Here's Pat with this week's message. And they said, where? Where in the Bible does it say homosexuality is a sin? There's nowhere in the Bible that it says it's a sin. And I said, well, Romans chapter 1, right here. Natural, man with women. Unnatural, women with women, man with men. And they said, well, no, 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 you're wrong there. What that Bible passage is saying is homosexual rape and irresponsible homosexual behavior. It's not condemning men who are committed to one man in a gay relationship and committed for life. That's not what it's talking about here. And I said, well, I said, I don't think you can get that from this passage because it says what? Natural relations, men with women, and gave up natural relations and were consumed with passions for one another, committing shameless acts, men with men. So natural is men with women. Going against nature is men with men or women with women. Natural, men with women. Unnatural, women with women, men with men. And he looked and he said, well, that's your interpretation. And I said, no, that's what Paul says here. Natural relations, men with women. Unnatural, women with women, men with men. And the guy looked at me and he says, no, no, that's your interpretation. And I said, no, I'm just reading you the text here from what Paul says. And I go, Paul's not saying that. Whose voice do I hear? I hear the voice of Pat Zucaran. I don't hear the voice of Paul. And I said, well, yes, it's Pat Zucaran reciting the words of Paul. Natural, men with women, unnatural, women. And they said, it's not Paul. Whose voice is this I hear? It's Pat Zucaran. It's Pat Zucaran's interpretation. And I said, all right, well, read the text. Natural, men with women, unnatural, women with women, men with men. You can't get around that. You know, but they kept going, oh no, oh no, that's the voice of Pat Zucaran. That's not the words of Paul. You know, and I said, well, back up your position then from this text, you know. And we went back and forth for a while before I had to move on. But when a nation embraces sinful behavior like homosexuality and defends it and promotes it as normal, that is a nation or a civilization that has turned away from the truth of God and is in danger of decline and self-implosion. Hawaii, along with seven other states in the U.S., now allows same-sex civil unions. Five allow, have legalized gay marriage. Governor Abercrombie, in February of 2012, has agreed to allow gay marriage to be legalized in the near future. KHON News Report states, a federal lawsuit alleges the state is violating the U.S. Constitution by denying gay marriage. 
Governor Neil Abercrombie, a defendant in the suit, says he agrees with the plaintiffs. The governor has decided not to defend traditional marriage, but support the passing of gay marriage. He articulated his position, stating this, and you can go on the KHON.com website to see his position. He states, under current law, a heterosexual couple can choose to enter into a marriage or civil union. A same-sex couple, however, may only elect a civil union. My obligation as governor is to support equality under law. This is inequality, and I will not defend it. Well, we know that the gay lifestyle is a dangerous and destructive lifestyle. Numerous studies, if you want to, you can go on evidenceandanswers.org where I interview ex-homosexuals. Numerous studies, you can read the reports we have on that website or at probe.org, the ministry that I work for. Numerous studies, medical and scientific and sociological journals reveal the dangers of the gay lifestyle. Medical journals tell us the act of sodomy is destructive to the human body. Studies such as the Bell and Weinberg study, the Kirk and Madsen study reveal also promiscuity is rampant in the gay community. The average gay man has numerous partners in his lifetime. Read those reports. The numbers of partners in a lifetime is just absolutely shocking. Therefore, the punishment to the body, the promiscuity, result in a unusually high rate of STDs in the gay community. Therefore, their average life expectancy is 20 years less than the average heterosexual man or woman. And who pays the price for the medical costs, for the rising costs in medical insurance and Medicare? Who pays the price? Well, an entire nation pays. There is the sociological, economic, and moral consequences of engaging in a sinful, destructive lifestyle. And it is for this reason God forbids it. A nation that has turned away from God seeks to legalize it and criminalize those who stand against it. Now, when a culture can no longer identify sinful and dangerous behavior, it is a culture that is now digging its own grave. For this reason, no civilization has survived that has embraced gay marriage. When a culture rejects God, embraces false ideas, immoral behavior runs rampant and goes on the rise. John Adams, our second president, saw the need for religious values to provide the moral baseline for a strong democratic society. In a letter written to the officers of the 1st Brigade of the Massachusetts Militia, he wrote this, We have no government armed with power capable of contending with human passions, unbridled by morality and religion. Avarice, ambition, revenge, or gallantry would break the strongest cords of our Constitution as a whale goes through a net. Our Constitution was made only for a moral and religious people. It is wholly inadequate to the government of any other. A democracy can only thrive if the people are good. 
And how do we determine good and right and wrong? Well, it's got to be based, as our founding fathers warned us, on the belief of a divine creator and a universal moral law. Well, John Adams isn't saying anything new. He's simply repeating the warning given to us by our first president, George Washington. In his farewell address to Congress, he said this, and let us with caution indulge the supposition that morality can be maintained without religion. Whatever may be conceded to the influence of refined education on minds of peculiar structure, reason and experience both forbid us to expect that national morality can prevail in the exclusion of religious principle. A society, democratic or otherwise, can only survive if the people are morally good. And the only way you can have a good and moral society is that they acknowledge a divine creator and a universal moral law that they are accountable to from which we can determine good and just laws. In a culture sliding into the pit of sin, Christian men and women must live and stand for purity, a holy lifestyle honoring to God. Even if our voices becomes the minority, we must stand for the sanctity of life, traditional marriage, and holy living. Well, finally, we come to stage four in verses 28 through 32. God allows the individual and the nation the path of their choosing their path of self-destruction. In verse 28, he says, And since they did not see fit to acknowledge God, God gave them up to a debased mind to do what ought not to be done. They were filled with all manner of unrighteousness, evil, covetousness, malice. They are full of envy, murder, strife, deceit, maliciousness. They are gossips, slanderers, haters of God, insolent, haughty, boastful, inventors of evil, disobedient to parents, foolish, faithless, heartless, ruthless, Though they know God's decree that those who practice such things deserve to die, they not only do them, but give approval to those who practice them. Verse 28 states that God gives men and women over to a debased, or some of your translations say worthless, mind. This does not mean unbelievers cannot discern things that are true. What it states is that since people have refused to acknowledge God, they end up with minds unable to understand and accept the truths and the will of God. The result is they do things which are not proper. And people who have turned away from God are fundamentally unable to think and decide correctly about God and His will. So people who have rejected God are unable to comprehend, let alone practice, godly, holy living. The debased mind, unable to know and do the will of God, leads to sins against one another, which Paul lists there from verses 29 to 32. In his book, When Nations Die, Jim Nelson Black studied 3,000 years of history of the rise and fall of nations throughout the world. And he lists three aspects of decay that are signs that a culture is in decline. Three aspects of decay are social decay, cultural decay, and moral decay. Let's take a look at the first, social decay. 
Three important trends demonstrate a nation in social decay. Number one, he states, it's the crisis of lawlessness. There is a rise in the rate of crime. Do we see that here in the U.S.? You know, in the last 30 years, we've had a 500% increase in crime here in the United States. Then we have the loss of economic discipline. Uncontrolled spending leads a nation into tremendous financial debt and economic bondage to foreign powers. We don't see that here in America, do we? A $16 trillion debt, there comes a point of no return where the nation can only afford to start paying on its interest and economically is in bondage to the nations that hold their debt. Proverbs says, the borrower is servant to the lender. And then a rising bureaucracy, a growing government that continues to produce more and more programs that requires increased taxes to keep those programs going. We don't see that in our country, do we? Those are signs of social decay. Signs of cultural decay, there are four. There are the decline of education. In the last 10 years, we have dropped approximately 30 points in our SAT scores. The weakening of cultural foundations. The loss of respect for the traditional values that form the foundation of a nation. And the increase of materialism. An increase an obsession with possessing material things. And also, he writes, a rise in the industry of entertainment and sports. For a nation in that has lost its way and its meaning and purpose for its existence, embracing dark and dangerous ideas, distracts itself with entertainment found in sports and in the entertainment industry. And so there is a rise in glamorization and glorification of those in the sports and entertainment industry. Hmm, we have that going on here. And then there's three arenas which demonstrate a society is in moral decay. There's the rise in immorality, the rise in immoral behavior. I have just read a report uh, we know the high divorce rate in our society. Uh, nearly half of all marriages end in divorce, and it has become so easy to attain a divorce in our nation, unfortunately. But also, teenage mothers bearing children out of wedlock represent now nearly 40% of childbirths here in America. The illegitimate birth rate, abortion, the divorce rate, on and on and on. When you see a rise in morality, that's indications of a nation or a culture in moral decay. The decay of religious belief, the rejection of the idea of God or a spiritual power that we are accountable to, and the devaluing of human life, the rise in abortion and euthanasia. When we see those going on, that's signs of a nation in moral decay. Do we see these signs in America today? Well, in the face of such an ominous future, what in the world can we do? 
Well, although the future is bleak, our problem is ultimately not political, economic, or social, but it is indeed spiritual. The political and economic and social problems we encounter are symptoms of the spiritual deterioration of our nation. And just as there are principles that influence the life, just as there are spiritual principles that influence the life of an individual, so there are spiritual principles that govern the life of a nation. And history has shown spiritual revival leads to positive reformation of a nation and prevent it from imminent collapse. And America has had two spiritual awakenings. Perhaps there's the arrival of another. Billy Graham, just a few days ago, and you can go to his website, wrote an open letter to America expressing his concern for the deteriorating state of our nation. And he wrote this, some years ago, my wife Ruth was reading the draft of a book I was writing. When she finished a section describing the terrible downward spiral of our nation's moral standards and the idolatry of worshiping false gods such as technology and sex, she startled me by exclaiming, if God doesn't punish America, he'll have to apologize to Sodom and Gomorrah. I wonder what Ruth would think of America if she were alive today. In the years since she made that remark, millions of babies have been aborted, and our nation seems largely unconcerned. Self-centered indulgence, pride, and a lack of shame over sin are now emblems of the American lifestyle. He wrote, My heart aches for America and its deceived people. The wonderful news is that our Lord is a God of mercy, and He responds to repentance. In Jonah's day, Nineveh was the lone world superpower, wealthy, unconcerned, and self-centered. When the prophet Jonah finally traveled to Nineveh and proclaimed God's warning, people heard and repented. I believe the same thing can happen once again, this time in our nation. Well, how does it all begin? How does spiritual revival take place in a nation? Well. It first begins with the individual believer in Christ committing their whole heart, soul, and mind to follow Jesus Christ. As Jesus said, to take up our cross daily and follow Him. We need a generation of Christians following Christ with all their heart. Remember, God can use many or just a few to accomplish tremendous things. Whenever I'm discouraged, I remember the words of my professor who told me, one man with God is always a majority. And remember, it is the three teenage boys, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, in the book of Daniel that brought an entire nation of Babylon to repentance and to the knowledge of the true God of Israel. God can use many, or just a few, to accomplish tremendous things. So it happens at the individual level, and that's where it begins, with you and with me committing our hearts to serve God each and every day. Second, it occurs at the family level. My exhortation to you parents is that you must not surrender education to the public schools or to the media. You must be involved 
with the education and upbringing of your children and be able to explain to them truth from error. Every parent must be able to show their children why their faith in Christ and biblical teachings are true despite the things they may hear from the media and learn in school. And there is hope for our nation. Remember at this past Hawaii Apologetics Conference 2012, Kirby Anderson pointed out that in just a few years, there just may be a huge swing in the spiritual and religious and moral landscape of our nation. Why? Because those who adhere to abortion rights, gay marriage, and cohabitation, guess what? They're not having kids. Who's having all the kids? Those who believe in traditional families and the sanctity of life, they are having children and raising a new generation that is quickly coming of age to vote. And if the parents are able to pass their faith on to this new generation, we could have a massive revival and transformation in our country. Therefore, that is why I say it is imperative as parents, grandparents, uncles, and aunts that you teach, defend, and model your faith so that it is not hijacked from this next generation, but that your faith in Christ may be passed on to the upcoming generation that is to come. So it happens at the individual level. It happens at the family level. Third, it happens at the social level in our personal sphere of influence. Every believer must know what they believe and why they believe and be equipped to engage in conversations around the kitchen and the water cooler and at lunch to articulate a compelling case for Christ and persuade your family and friends and co-workers to the truth of the words of Jesus Christ. And finally, it must occur at the national level. The body of Christ cannot continue to be divided. We must be united to pray for our leaders and vote for leaders who will stand for God and His moral law. And fortunately, there are many great resources for you here to be equipped to present a compelling case for the truth of Christianity there are many good books up there. May I recommend that one on the screen there? Unless I See, written by a guy you might know. Outstanding book. A forward written by one of the great defenders of our faith, Dr. Norman Geisler. You can pick it up. You can pick it up right outside if you want or on the web. And the book that I mentioned here that many of you may be interested in, it's a quick read, but it's a great and compelling read, When Nations Die by Jim Nelson Black, and there are other books that he cites that he gets his sources from. Those are some great resources for you there. And also, may I recommend our website, the ministry I work for, probe.org, the information that I am presenting, the articles, the decline of a nation, when nations die, the Christian heritage of America, on and on and on, are presented there at probe.org. Over a thousand articles on the things that I talked to tonight, but also articles that will equip you to engage your world and your culture for Christ. Over a thousand articles written by our team of scholars, men with PhD in the sciences, in philosophy, 
in theology, in religion, in education, in the numerous fields, there's probably an article there that will address the issues you are struggling with. And may I recommend this radio show here, heard here in Hawaii, Saturdays at 12.30, or you can go on the web anytime you want and listen to our shows for free, interviewing some of the top scholars who speak on this issue. And one of the most exciting shows that people have requested is the one I did with Robert Spencer on Stealth Jihad. Those are some great resources there for you to equip you to engage your culture and your world for Christ. Well, God has promised in 2 Chronicles 7.14, if my people who are called by my name humble themselves and pray and seek my face and turn from their wicked ways, then will I hear from heaven and I will forgive their sin and I will heal their land. The light of a lantern shines the brightest when it is the darkest. And if the church continues to proclaim, to defend, and live out the truth of God's word, the brightness of her light will be difficult for a culture in rebellion to ignore. God is in control and one day he shall return. But until then, let us remain firm in our faith, unshakable in the truth we know, and faithful to the call and mission he has put upon our lives at this time for the sake of our families, our children, and our nation, may we be faithful to the task and the mission for which he has called us to now at this time. Let's pray together. This concludes part one of this important message by Pat. I'm sure you found this message sobering, but also challenging. If you missed any part of this message, log on at evidenceandanswers.org to hear it in its entirety. And while you're there, we invite you to read the related articles by Pat and his fellow researchers from Probe Ministries. Would you consider partnering with Pat in prayer and financial support? When you log on at evidenceandanswers.org so that Pat can continue to proclaim important and biblical messages just like this throughout the world. Join us next week as Pat presents part two of this message on the decline of a nation right here on Evidence and Answers.